0: Hello from Shades and Layers. I'm Gudganos Kostana Ritchie, your host, and this is Episode 6 of Season 3 on Creative Entrepreneurship. So, you've read and heard a lot about the so-called Great Resignation and all the excitement that centers around that. Many professionals leaving their jobs to pursue something else and um, business owners pivoting their businesses to suit the new normal. So... This is the case with my guest today, Melody Ndigaye. She is a Danish creative. Uh, left her job in e-commerce and started her own social media strategy consultancy called Creative Social. And I wanted to catch up with her and see how things were going one year after her resignation. Our conversation was recorded during the summer this past summer in 2021 and ref- reflected on one year plus of the COVID pandemic. Black Lives Matter, self-reliance, job security versus the reward of having your own business. And of course, race and identity, which is a new conversation in Denmark. Well, at least in public anyway. Uh, There's a public discourse about diversity, inclusion, racism, etc. And an open discussion about the immigration experience. So I wanted to speak to Melody about all of that. And uh, also just to hear how things are going in Denmark at the moment. I do, after all, have a soft spot for the place. I lived there for 13 years and uh, there are lots of amazing uh, Black women doing their own thing out there. And it is actually the reason why Shades and Layers was started in the first place. So without further ado, let's hear from Melody and find out how she would describe what she does.
1: So I help businesses create. Brand awareness and attract their target audience through social media, meaning that I manage their accounts and consult them when it comes to creating and publishing content on social platforms, Mm -hmm. Instagram and Facebook being the predominant platforms that I work with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's, um,
0: and what kind of clients do you have?
1: Oh, I have service based businesses. Um, to me, I'm very heavy on inspiration. And Mm -hmm. compatibility. And I think a big part of social media is being able to tell a story and inspire. Mm -hmm. So, you know, food Mm. (laughs) is something that people can get together around. Um, So, yeah, I'm definitely more inspired by service based businesses. That said, I've also consulted like universities, you know, in terms of what their next steps could be on social media for Mm -hmm. it to be more engaging. So I'm not closed off, but service businesses are definitely where my strong suit is.
0: Mm. And how did you get into this type of work?
1: I quit my job. (laughs) So, that's what i'm coming to exactly <laughs> you're coming to um so um i was a digital editor at one of denmark's leading e-commerce platforms mm-hmm. for like a year and a half and then 2020 came with big Go energy and opened everyone's eyes with force <laughs> um <laughs> And I just kind of realized that, you know, a lot of my life has happened to me instead of me actively making choices, if that makes sense. Like Mm -hmm. you just have this direction, you just blindly follow and that's just your life. So when I chose to leave my job it was a decision motivated by just having the confidence to bet on myself and taking ownership of something that was mine and develop my skills within social media which is something that i'm passionate about but then doing it on my own terms because i think with social media creative freedom is so important or then it just becomes such a drag Mm, um mm. and especially when you're in a large corporate environment there's a long way from like idea to creation to execution, to publishing. So yeah, I just needed to be in a small group and that small group turned out to be myself, me, myself and I.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful. But you know, you quit your job at a very uncertain time. Mm. Did you get nervous? Did you want to go back? I mean, what was the thought process? during that time
1: it's kind of funny because like i quit my job with my chest like "Bah, i'm leaving (laughs) in like um june of last year when the world had kind of started opening up again Mm. and then i managed to sign sign some clients and then the world closed again and like you're saying again it's service-based businesses so who's serving food during a pandemic Mm. um so the channels that I managed, it became not so much broadcasting the business's product, but kind of like telling their story, who they are, you know, creating quizzes and just kind of being creative with the way I ran social media platforms because I, I had already gotten paid. Yeah, yeah. So I was lucky to lock in uh, some income before uh, the second lockdown happened in Denmark. And that's kind of what sustained me, you know, throughout throughout Mm. lockdown Mm. but I wasn't scared because I'm hesitant until I'm not if that makes sense like once I decide something I there's like this inner almost like not delusional but there's this like I have to make it by any means possible Mm. so quitting your job like you're you're letting go of security right and Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to me it's like okay it's literally up to myself to provide and make sure that I eat something but I also feel like it's an experience that I haven't had in life that I needed, right? To literally fend for myself.
0: Mm-hmm. And why would you say your clients choose you?
1: Ooh, I, I literally, I'm the type to just walk into the door and be like, hey, do you guys need someone like me? What I've learned sets me apart. It's definitely the fact that I'm intuitive mm-hmm. and I have emotional intelligence, which I mean, in social media, it's like this huge machine and it's easy to get all technical and, you know, follow guidelines of, yeah, you have to post daily hashtags, measure conversions. But being intuitive, I think when I present or pitch to clients, I make sure to communicate that when I create mood boards for the next month, it's not just about the business and its products or services. I want to understand your audience. What do mm-hmm. they need and how can you serve them best? And I think a lot of businesses have a hard time thinking that way, if that makes sense. They, they might post on social media just to highlight a product, but not like how it's relevant for the person they're speaking to. Mm. So I think that twist of having emotional intelligence and being intuitive is something that that attracts people. It's, it's a different pitch, right? It's not me just walking in saying, hi, oh, I'm going to increase your followers. Okay, mm. but how? So I think that's my competitive edge.
0: Yeah. And have you found yourself a community during this time as a solopreneur, so to speak?
1: I will say I'm not too big on clicks and like, you know, Mm. (laughs) fixed networks. Um, Generally, I like my own space. So I haven't felt quote unquote alone on my journey. Um, I'll say that I've met some amazing people online, you know, through Instagram and LinkedIn, some that I create with now and bounce ideas off of from time to time. And then I'm very intentional about collaboration. So I've had, you know, walk and talks with people that I admire within my field Mm. in Copenhagen. Mm to kind of pick their brain or seek inspiration and advice and also just kind of going with the flow and mm, gravitating mm. towards the information that I need at that specific, specific time so that I don't overwhelm myself because again social media is a lot of things so as much as I'm a social media strategist again it changes every day so I also have to learn every day and so I try to spot people that are ahead mm, um, mm. so that I can kind of like understand what they're doing and kind of make it my own and also relevant to my clients so yeah i haven't been alone Mm, i just seek out people when i need to yeah
0: what's been the most exciting part about your journey after breaking out on your own
1: the most exciting part oh girl the roller coaster it's all been very exciting <laughs> um <laughs> I honestly think like it's just having my own time if that makes sense like being in control of my own time mm. but it's also like as much as it was exciting for me to be able to like create my life in a sense it's also been really scary because I've I've never done anything like this, right? You go to school, you're given an education, which is basically a manual on how to like operate within a certain setting, which is an office.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But as a freelance, it's like you have like your zone of genius, which is something very specific to you, right? So there's no actual guidelines. So having my own time and figuring out how things work has basically been the most exciting. <laughs> thing for me basically yeah your girl she was out here winging it but she figured it out it's going okay
0: (laughs) so you feel a little bit more on your feet now
1: yeah I mean honestly like the first two months I just kind of like sat in my living room like wow (laughs) you really quit um okay I don't think it was like my main voice it was more like you always have like this little nervous voice in the back of your head Mm. but yeah I I don't let it So what's the big plan? What's the big plan? I feel like I needed to start my own thing to create a framework and have a concrete idea of something that is mine. Having done that, because I feel like you have to try things, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know if I want to be a freelancer forever, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I think that I have learned a lot and this will be a good side hustle Mm-hmm. And something that I want that I want to grow bigger than it is now, but i I do like having a team, but then also being able to go home and not like think about the next pitch or like not really having a stop button because it's like if you don't work, you're not eating.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah, so that there's a there's a different security which I I guess I'm, I'm a little bit of a, I like security. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask which one do you value more, the security or the uh, reward of having your own thing?
1: I think that I am the type of person that needs to balance both mm. because I think there's a mundane feeling that comes with security sometimes because you're secure, but you're also not really in control. You're just kind of like a, a machine in a number, right, <laughs> in mm-hmm. this big, thing that has to work so yeah yeah a little bit of both
0: my guest on shades and layers today is melodine Gaye, social media strategy consultant and blogger up next we dig deeper into the evolution of her writing and how it reflects the society she lives in you know the reason why i reached out to you is because you have this fantastic blog where you post some really insightful essays i would say On, uh, (laughs) you know, just life in general. And I see there's a touch of fashion there and style. And, you know, so I just wanted to talk a little bit about that. You know, you Mm -hmm. went on this uh, blogging journey. Um, Mm -hmm. You're on your second blog now. So why don't you talk a little bit about, you know, the evolution of this second blog?
1: The evolution of the second blog. Yeah. Well, Okay. so the first blog... Because you always have to go back to the beginning. (laughs) Yes. Um, (laughs) The first blog came out of like a very interesting relationship that just kind of opened my eyes to the things that I didn't know about myself and how lost I was without knowing it. Again, it's this thing where you just go with the motion and then something happens and you kind of need yourself but you don't know how to you don't know what that is right Mm, so mm. I posted about like you know heartbreak and like you know anxiety and depression because I think like when you've experienced like trauma or like emotions you haven't quite dealt with they they fester and they sit somewhere and you know people say that yeah you can cure depression anxiety but I honestly don't think that it completely goes away you just find ways to deal you Mm -hmm. you learn your Mm -hmm. triggers and then you move accordingly so when I created the first blog I didn't have any boundaries so when I would go to counseling or therapy whatever you want to call it I would learn something and be like oh my god that's so inspiring everyone needs to know this (laughs) and then i would sit and type away and then i would get questions back that would re-trigger me the blog became a pain point for me right Mm -hmm. it was i was almost scared to post because it was like okay i know that there's going to be a follow-up question and i'm not equipped to answer it and if i do answer i'm sharing from a place that's still really raw Mm -hmm. so i closed the first blog uh or it got shut down for me because i neglected it right so they deleted yeah, uh, yeah, my blog yeah. and then i came back second time around um now and it's the blog is just my name melody and digai and that space is just i post with boundaries i post sporadically i think one thing i did with the first blog was like monday 12 o'clock <laughs> like on right, the dot right, there has yes. to be a blog yeah. post and i think that Again, it's this thing with our culture, like, if you're not posting, you're not being productive, like, and if you said you're going to do it at this specific time, you don't do it, like, you're you're not credible. And all these thoughts where I'm just like, okay, I just want a platform to share my heart, like, and if someone out there can relate, great, but it shouldn't be more than that, right? So with the second blog, I just kind of show up when I have something on my heart and I have the capacity to engage afterwards right because Mm -hmm. that was the thing that was most taxing for me the first time around so yeah i just think i got to know myself better the first time so i could be more strategic and also authentic in a healthy way the second time around
0: yeah i think first time around it sounds like you were treating it as a job like Mm. a marketing professional what
1: girl (laughs) i went i was like you know obsessing over the layout and i was just i'm not gonna say that i'm i I think i used to be a perfectionist like but i think like that's i feel like aren't all african kids like (laughs) perfectionists like it must be done right um (laughs) so (laughs) i think are you hearing your mom's (laughs) voice there I was a bit of a perfectionist and I just crashed and burned because I wore myself out. Forget the questions that came. Like your girl was in her own head, like Mm, mm, just sabotaging, um, self-sabotaging. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So what do you write about now these days? What's what's on your heart, so to speak?
1: My heart is very much, you know, self-care personal development but not in the like preachy teachy way I feel like sometimes it can be a lot of like here are five things that you need to do Mm. where I'm like you know these five things worked for me but what you've gone through your experience is so different so I hope this helps you know I'm not here to teach people what to do I just think that I want to make it okay to go through things, if that makes sense. Right. So to so validate I write,
0: experiences.
1: Exactly. So I don't feel like there's there's always a takeaway, but not necessarily like a firm moral. When I write my blog posts, it's like reading a good book and then getting to the end and kind of coming to your own conclusion, or you know, sparking a thought or inspiring an action. That's this kind of like the the approach that I have
0: mm. now. Mm. I mean, yeah. this brings me to thoughts about, you know, mental well being also. Mm. What are some of yeah. the topics that you've touched on that have to do with mental wellness?
1: Oh, gosh. I've written a few. I wrote an essay that honestly, like, I didn't think that it would do much, but it was about normalizing tears, right? And mm. that. I like you that don't... one, by the way. <laughs> Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Honestly, like especially as black women, there's this thing and I just if someone dare tells me, "Oh, Rebecca, you're so strong. We're going to fight." <laughs> like <laughs> I feel like when you tell a black woman that she's so strong you're silencing her and kind of it's a silencer and it creates a barrier where like well okay since I'm so strong then I can't show my emotions and honestly I feel like that's something that I took away from from home you know cuz you know I saw my mom like working really hard but you know she was also like a go 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 like don't cry you'll be fine like low-key you know get over it yeah yeah <laughs> because there's yeah, this thing stoicism, that yeah exactly yeah and it's like it's not that you know she lacked compassion or like you know black women in general lack lack compassion but there's this thing like if you don't keep going nothing's gonna get done type thing hmm. so when I wrote "Normalize," you know tears it was just like you're actually allowed to have emotions and just because people expect you to be a certain way You don't have to succumb to that, sacrificing your own well-being.
0: So I'm asking you all these questions because I'm aware of the place where you live and the place Mm -hmm. where you come from.
1: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Denmark,
0: Denmark, Denmark.
1: (laughs) We we love it here. We're very grateful. No, no, no.
0: I I loved my time in Denmark, honestly. It uh, It was superb in many, many ways.
1: It's an amazing country, um, but you know this whole thing about race and identity. Like, I get that it's it's never going to go away completely anywhere. Mm. I would say, like, in terms of being black in in Denmark, it's a it's a layered experience. Like, I've lived in Denmark basically my whole life, mm-hmm. so I'm fully immersed in the culture. You know, my upbringing, my mom was, you know, very much so. Like, learn the language today. <laughs> Like understand their food You know mm-hmm. learn their little mm-hmm. songs So you can sing along and You don't look stupid At their birthdays mm-hmm. um, She really went out of her way To make sure that my sister And I were integrated But then outwardly The assumption is that I swam across the ocean Or got off the boat yesterday Right Yeah I still have people speaking Broken English to me Because they assume That I don't speak Danish And they're so oh, they speak broken
0: English To you
1: Yeah wow. it's like Hi um, I would just like to know uh, If you were uh, <laughs> uh, it becomes that actually uh, what I was trying to say, actually, you know what? If this is very difficult, do you speak Danish? And I'm just Ridiculous. like, you, you could have saved yourself all of that trouble <laughs> if you just... <laughs> started in
0: english no okay oh my goodness wow okay yeah. i've never had that experience but oh, you
1: know. <laughs> every single time and i'm just like what is it like what what is it about is it the hair is it the lipstick What? Well, what is it that makes you think that i don't speak <laughs> i don't get it what, what what are we doing here but yeah i still have people speaking um english to me yeah um and it's so funny because to me i'm a black woman that just happens to live in denmark right
0: yeah
1: but it, to others their preconceived notion of me is that i'm an i'm an immigrant that's had a hard life i'm probably under undereducated. I don't understand their culture. You know, mm, there's this whole story mm. before you even get to say hi, hello, right?
0: Yes, of course. Yeah, it's really um, for you. Yeah.
1: And it used to frustrate the heck out of me. Like, why can't I just be a person chilling in the corner? Why do I have to be all these things already? And then it's this thing like where there are rules and standards for acceptance for a Black person, Right. Yeah. In, in whichever setting school education work and then you reach them and it's as if like the bar is set even higher when you reach them which just makes you feel like you're running behind all the time yeah so yeah i mean people like to say like oh it's exhausting being black but i just feel like the structures that uphold you know the suppression of black people that's what's exhausting i love being black you know it's amazing we're lit yeah
0: <laughs> But you know, when I uh, moved there, there was hardly any spaces to explore, or even think about these things and, um, uh. you know... Not even allowed, you know. I mean, I've heard the story of, oh no, you're not the kind of immigrant that they're talking mm. about when it's on the news, blah blah. And I'm like, that's Whoa. not a compliment. My mind was blown by you know the attitudes and and you know having come from South Africa and experienced it with you know mm. being in uh, white spaces pretty much all of my high school life. So it was just kind of a disconnect. Because you mm. see Denmark as this liberal place, which is supposed to be welcoming and they're highly educated people. Mm. Nevertheless, things have come here and there's a moment of reckoning. Mm. So getting to know yourself or rather mm. claiming an identity that you've been denied your entire yeah. life. You know, can you talk to me a little bit about? What response is coming your way and uh, the type of, you know, attitudes? Is it easier to talk about these things or is it getting harder?
1: okay so i feel in terms of like actual racism like people you know being condescending etc i feel racism in denmark it's kind of cohort, right it it's not as loud as in other places hmm. but it also minimizes its existence in denmark because it's like ah, it was just a joke or well you know it's not america or like yeah, but at least you aren't getting shot. But it's just like, yeah, but it's still a problem. Like, I, there are some opportunities I might not have because someone sees me as less than because of the color of my skin. That's kind of a problem. But I think, like, you know, again, it's the culture because self irony, sarcasm, and being able to poke fun at yourself is a big part of Danish culture. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So when you set that boundary when it comes to racism, people are so resistant to correction because to them, it's like, it's just a joke. Mm. I'm like, my life is a joke to you? Like, whether or not I'm going to wake up tomorrow, it's funny to you? Okay, cool. Mm. So, yeah, I feel like racism... It's but it also feels
0: like, you know, it's a personal affront if you point out that, you it's know, there's so a problem in Denmark. And you're not even maybe pointing at an individual, like, you know, you're the problem or whatever. But mm. you're just saying, you know, hey, by the way, these so-called cultural you know, nuances and you mm-hmm. need to understand it for its Danishness. Yeah. You know, it's it's problematic, but it's almost as if everyone takes it personally. Like you're saying, I there's something wrong with us.
1: It's like, it's, I think it's guilt, shame, and then some overwhelm that you would have to undo your entitlement. So you'd rather just kind of be ignorant to it or just kind of just be like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Like I hear you, but meh. And a lot of times it's not even like, They've had personal experiences. It's like, oh, someone uh, once got robbed by a Black person and so I don't trust Black people. I'm just like, but okay, so then Black people should just not be around any white people because of someone who happened to accidentally steal a couple of million people from you know, Africa? Is that what it's we're doing? There's just no sense. There is no sense. It's just... It's just totally
0: ridiculous. It?
1: <laughs> but at so, least there, seem, there seems
0: to be a conversation happening.
1: Yeah, like, I, I love to see it. I mean, when it comes to Black communities in Denmark, in all honesty, like, they're emerging, especially after last summer with, you know, George Floyd and Black Lives Matter. Mm. But I feel that there's still a lack of genuine Black communities that support each other authentically and not just for the hype. Mm. Not to say anything bad, but like, you know, not all skin folks are kin folks. And I have mixed feelings of, you know, just communities in general that exist because there's, I feel like sometimes there's this sense of elitism you know, yeah, of being yeah, yeah, the yeah. most woke, and mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. there's not really space to ask stupid questions because yes, I'm black, but yo, I I don't think I've ever like had like a an argument online or like been vocal about racism until last year. That is 30 years worth of me being black and not really being vocal about things. So there are a lot of questions that I have. So just as I'm frustrated about someone being racist and ignorant, I'm I can be in some situations black and ignorant, right? Mm-hmm. So for there to be a community that then doesn't allow for those questions, and you're seen like this, oh well, you're not quote unquote black enough. To me, it's like I feel like there's a lack of inclusion within a group that's marginalized.
0: Mm, mm. Um,
1: I mean, it's moving in the right direction, but I definitely feel like we we could do better, and it's and it's needed. I'm I'm happy that the conversation at least is happening, but yeah, yeah, yeah we need to show ourselves the same grace that we so desperately want from other people. It's like, you know, it starts at home. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah.
0: And who's speaking about this? I know there's uh, the three girls on a seat at the table. Mm-hmm. There's Lucia O'Doom.
1: Yes. And uh, then Mary.
0: Mary Consolada. Yeah. Leslie yeah. Brown. Yeah.
1: There, there, there's a, there's a good handful. I I'm I follow Mary just because I'm very emotionally sensitive if that makes sense so i also need to filter like what i take in so i can't follow a whole lot of the same people if that makes sense like talking about the same thing like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm that way in everything like with mm-hmm. social media like mm-hmm. i follow maybe two fashion accounts two news outlets two this because curated yeah it's very curated, curated.
0: experiences yes,
1: yes please. <laughs> i need control of my social media experience because especially with racism, it is such a draining topic. And I remember like the first week of Black Lives Matter, asked my best friend, I did not sleep. I felt like I had missed out on so much, like in terms of like the black experience. So I was here reading articles, watching violent videos, just kind of, it was just information overload. And then like the week after I was a vegetable. Mm. I couldn't think of thought didn't want to talk to anyone like barely touched my phone I was just so down because again these things are really heavy mm. so in terms of like racism in Denmark I follow Mary because you know she makes it very digestible and you know she's she's relatable and you know she just gets straight to the point there's no fluff it's just she she just tells it as it is and it's educational I think like whether she does it intentionally or not, she just kind of gives these bite-sized, not points points of argument, but kind of like tools as to how to articulate yourself. If that mm, makes sense, mm. is she is definitely one that I that I follow.
0: Yeah, but I, I like that she also like calls herself out on her complicity. If, you know, she's participating in activities that would almost be a uh, reflection of, I don't know, internalized racism or just not thinking about it, not being conscious
1: of your actions. If I respect anything in this world, it's self-awareness because we're all villains in someone's story. You know, we all have blind spots, Mm. but if someone could call you out and you're not on the defense and you're humble enough to be able to listen and And grow and learn like you don't know until you don't know better until you know better. And when you know better, you do better. Right.
0: Mm. So
1: I respect that, like the fact that you can look inward. And I think that's also what makes a person more credible, you Mm -hmm. know, Mm -hmm. that you can take ownership when you're wrong. Yeah. Because who wants to be friends with or in a relationship with someone who doesn't apologize, right? Mm-hmm. And if you're so busy having these big conversations where you're calling other people out, well, then you should also be able to take it when it when it's thrown in your direction, right? So I respect that.
0: Mm-hmm. So Melody is a bookworm and a book lover, of course. Although there's no chance that she would ever lend you her books, she will give you a personal review about what she's reading. Let's find out more about that as well as what she remembers about her days as a young girl, the adventure of integrating into a new society, and what she plans for the future. So, the past year, it seems like there's been a lot of growth happening. <laughs> who are some of the people who have uh, carried you along this journey to where you are, especially oh, during the past year?
1: Honestly, I have a tight-knit group of friends. like i'm I don't need a lot of like social stimulation to be happy. <laughs> like mm. my best friends and family just to keep me grounded and safe with good vibes I think that we've all had our challenges you know our ups and downs and so for me it's been important to surround myself with people that know me to the core mm. and kind of nourishing those friendships and not so much <laughs> hashtag Drake no new friends um, <laughs> I've been very intentional with like the close relationships that I that I have tell me
0: about your mom and your sister
1: my mom and my sister Ooh, la, la. <laughs> so okay I was <laughs> I was raised by my mom a single mom mm. um with my younger sister Rachel like I said my mom was very keen on us you know being integrated. And she is generally very supportive, sometimes after some convincing. (laughs) Um, But again, I think it's this shared experience with immigrant families where your parents want what's best for you. They Mm. want you to thrive, but they're also stuck in their ways. So navigating that was very interesting, especially as, as teenagers, you know, kind of existing between two very different cultures and expectations um yeah I mean I what don't are know your what top you... three
0: memories from your childhood
1: oh lord <laughs> my top three memories uh girl I, I, I got you to... thinking now huh <laughs> come on I was like blah 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 this is so easy <laughs> <laughs> shirt? What, memories what's that well I remember it was my birthday I think I was in like the second grade and there was this barbie watch yeah don't judge me barbie was very trendy <laughs> at that time okay yes the no Caucasian barbie, <laughs> everything your girl wanted a barbie watch and then my mom was like yeah you know i can't get it for you and then she gave it to me on my birthday anyways oh. i was oh. ecstatic like i was so happy then there was this one time where I really wanted a dog. And my mom was like, in an African household, forget it, man. <laughs> but <laughs> then she bought my sister and I like these. I don't know. They, they had a name and they're really popular, but there were these dogs and they they looked pretty real. But like my are these dog.
0: like uh, mechanical do- uh, dogs or?
1: They had fur and stuff, but they were, I guess they were ah, mechanical. Okay, safety. right,
0: right. Around. Okay. I know, which you know ones what I you're mean, talking right? about. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah.
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> cool. Yeah, mama Go Go mom.
1: Man. Yeah, she looked it up. I was like, cool. and I was like, "Yeah, let's go!" My mom got me. This is Scruffy. Um, I mean, again, like overall, I feel like I've had a good childhood. You know, like mm-hmm. I think like my mom went out of her way to make sure that we were happy and that we didn't lack anything. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I see you are also an avid reader. I love to read. Like books are my thing.
0: I know you've uh put uh quite a few nonfiction up to on your Instagram account.
1: Yeah, the the self-help books. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah I I, I low key need to stop like self-help. Like girl, relax, calm down. You good, you good now. <laughs> <laughs> your mind is screwed on well now. You need to relax. Um I love to read, I love to learn. Um it's kind of funny. Like when I was younger, I used to be I loved I loved to read. Mm -hmm. But I would be stressed because I felt like when I read something, I would forget. That's what I felt like, right? Mm -hmm. But I think the beautiful thing, like when you expose your eyes and your mind to like words, they Mm -hmm. just sit somewhere, right? Mm -hmm. And then they just pop up when they need to. So like growing up, I just kind of lean into the fact that I'm going to read this (laughs) and it's going to sit somewhere. And yeah, there'll be a trigger where... I'll remember like that perfect sentence. But I'm also the type to like underline in my books. Oh, are you also one of those? Fantastic. Yeah. So I never I, don't I feel never so lend- bad. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we're the same. I never lend out my books. Like I will yeah. tell you where to get it. <laughs> but I won't lend out my books because I have like a lot of notes in my books.
0: Sure. Yeah.
1: And it's not that I have any secrets like with my close friends, but you know, it's not every day you need to know what I was thinking when I read that sentence. <laughs>
0: Yeah. oh gosh yeah i always get dirty looks you know like what are you doing (laughs) underlining with
1: a pen (laughs) yeah because okay let's think let's people out there who are listening let's be strategic about our reading like if it's a book that's like 350 pages like do you know how many books there are in the world so you want to underline so you don't have to read the whole book Mm -hmm. over you can just kind of glance over and see like the main points right
0: yeah, I, I'm the, also guilty of dog ears. I'm terrible, so I'll make like, sorry.
1: Okay, yeah, <laughs> I'll that's why I fold the page draw, at the top. I draw and, the line. No, no, I'm sorry. That's where, I, that's where I draw the line. Like dog ears, dog ears. Dog ears the the book is gonna get all crinkly. No, no, that's when I. Mm.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, what what are you reading at the moment?
1: I am reading. Queenie, it is so good. Like, I don't even know how to explain how good this book is. It's very, it's very visual, let me just mm, say that. Mm. But it just talks about, you know, this young black girl in this corporate world and and dating ah, and just yeah, trying to like yeah. balance it. But the the perspectives and the way that she explains certain scenarios and what she's feeling in that moment, I was like, whoa. Mm that is crazy. And I'm not going to say that I've experienced like a lot of the things that she writes about in the book, but it's just, it's so valid. It makes sense. And like, even when she has moments where she's clearly (laughs) self-sabotaging, she's so aware of it and she articulates why. And I was just like, wow, this is really, really, really good stuff.
0: So it's relatable. Cool.
1: Very relatable.
0: Great. So what's next for you?
1: I will, I really want to travel. I've had, portugal lisbon on my mind for like two years Mm -hmm. i feel like when i was like yeah i'm gonna go to portugal then stuff started happening in the world and i was like okay i guess i'm gonna wait i really want to travel more working on my on my business in Mm -hmm. my own tempo Mm -hmm. i think like for me it's very important not to To be desperate, I feel like sometimes as a freelancer, you can get into like a freelancer frenzy where it's like you just take on anything and all the clients that you can just so you can have some kind of flow Mm -hmm. in your business. But it would just defeat the purpose of me leaving a corporate job. So, So I'm just kind of resting Still being strategic about how I go about my, my business and also open to opportunities um, if it makes sense to be in like a corporate setting um, where I still have the freedom to be able to to run my freelance business on the side because it has now become my official baby. Yay. So, so <laughs> yeah, it's not going anywhere. Yeah. But, uh,
0: so where can people follow you or find out more about you, read your essays?
1: read my essays well the blog is called melody and dig which is my name i'm sure that you have it linked below yes, i'm just absolutely. talking to you <laughs> <laughs> and all of my social handles are melody and dig Eye. um so i'm on instagram and that's that's basically it follow me join the conversation <laughs> i'm really nice honestly like it's kind of funny like i have a very stoic appearance so i've been told but <laughs> When I'm comfortable or, like, people get to know me, I am, like, very animated and goofy. Like, I like to spread joy. That's, like, the the kind of person that I am. So, yeah, follow me if you're not already.
0: Yeah. And that's all from me this week. Thanks to Melody for sharing her journey and story so far. Thanks to you for listening. If you have any thoughts about what living through the pandemic as a creative has been like... Be sure to be in touch between now and the next episode, or whenever you feel like it. You can find me on Instagram on the handle at Shades and Layers Podcast, one word. I'm Gudwanus Kosana Ritchie. And until next time, please do take good care.